Welcome to the Derek Prince Ministries podcast, helping you to grow stronger in God. For more than six decades, best-selling author and Bible teacher Derek Prince has been a source of inspiration for millions of believers around the world. You too can benefit from his compelling biblical insights. And now, Derek Prince. Over these past three weeks, I've been sharing with you on God's provision of total security for His people. I've explained how this relates to specific areas of need, time of trouble, war, famine, and so on, and I illustrated that from my own experience. I spoke about security against financial pressures, emotional pressures, against criticism and misrepresentation. And I've shared with you that the key to this kind of security is unreserved commitment to fulfill God's will for your life. We've looked at this stated so clearly in 1 John 2, 17. The world is passing away, and also its lusts, but the one who does the will of God abides forever. Once again, the contrast between the temporary and the eternal. Everything in this world, all its systems, all its plans, all its provisions, all its ambitions, is all temporary. It's passing away. It's on the way out. But God's will is eternal, and God's will is all-conquering. Ultimately, God's will is going to prevail over everything else. And the one who does God's will is as sure, as secure, as irresistible as the will of God itself. So by faith, we can unite ourselves with the will of God and become invincible, irresistible. Yesterday I illustrated this principle from the career of Joshua in the Old Testament. Today I'm going to show you how the same principle worked out in the life of a great servant of God in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul. Paul here, as we're going to look at him, is in adversity. In the natural, everything has gone wrong. Things that were very dear and precious to him have been taken from him. Let's face it, sooner or later, most of us are going to find ourselves in a situation of adversity. It may not be exactly the same kind of situation that Paul was in, but sooner or later, we're going to be confronted with adversity. And we need to be sure that we have the kind of security that doesn't desert us in adversity, that sees us through the hard place, the lonely place, the difficult place. So let's look at the picture of Paul, which is found in the second epistle to Timothy, mainly in the last chapter. We have to emphasize that in the natural, at this point, everything was against Paul. He was in a Roman jail. He was awaiting trial by one of the most wicked and corrupt rulers of human history, Nero, It was almost certain that he would be condemned to execution and many, many other things. He was an elderly man. Perhaps his strength was failing. It was cold in the jail. He didn't have adequate clothing. Just about everything that could be against a person was against him. I'll just sum it up a little. First of all, he was left alone without his co-workers. This is what he says, 2 Timothy 4, 9 through 11, writing to Timothy. Do your best to come to me quickly. For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. 
What a terrible, bitter disappointment. One of Paul's closest friends, most trusted co-workers, had gone back on his commitment, not only to Paul but to Christ, gone back into the world. And others had left for other reasons. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. I've only got one man left with me now. That's Luke, the beloved physician. Then he says a little further on in the 20th verse, Erastus stayed in Corinth, another fellow worker. And I left Trophimus sick in Miletus. That's another bit of disappointment. Even the great apostle Paul apparently didn't get his prayers answered for Trophimus. So he had to leave that trusted fellow worker behind in Miletus. And then he had been harmed, bitterly harmed by his enemies. Without bitterness, but with very objective uh, reality, he writes this, verses 14 and 15. Alexander the metal worker did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he's done. Paul said, I'm not going to seek vengeance, but he's in the Lord's hands. You too should be on your guard against him because he strongly opposed our message. Paul had many powerful, active enemies. And then he had been deserted by his friends. It's one thing to have your enemies against you, but how much more bitter when you're deserted by your friends. This is what he says in verse 16, At my first defense, when I first appeared before the emperor, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. Isn't that a terrible statement? Everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. Again, there's no vindictiveness, no bitterness. And then he was without adequate clothing and equipment. So in verse 13 of that chapter, he writes to Timothy, When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas. And when I read those words, bring the cloak, I see Paul in that stone dungeon, winter coming on, no warm clothing. He was human like the rest of us. One of the things that's most difficult for me to endure, I have to admit, is cold. When Paul wrote somewhere else in his writings that he'd endured cold and nakedness, I kind of shudder inside with those words. But there he was, without adequate clothing or provision for the cold in that cell as winter came on. Then he says also, bring my scroll, especially the parchments. Why did he want the scroll, the parchments? Well, he wanted to write letters, and he didn't have the material to do it. What kind of letters do you think he was going to write? Letters complaining about his situation? I doubt it. I think he was concerned with the Christian churches and the disciples that he knew in various parts of the ancient world, and he wanted to write to them and comfort them and encourage them. His mind was not focused on himself at all. So that's the picture of Paul right at the end of his life in a situation of adversity. We've looked at the situation in which Paul found himself there, right near the end of his life in that jail, uh, forsaken by his fellow workers, deserted by his friends, with great opposition against him, inadequate material provision. Now let's ask ourselves, in that situation, what was Paul's attitude? He states it himself in that same fourth chapter of 1 Timothy, verses 6 through 8. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering. The time has come for my departure. I wonder if you see the picture there. In the sacrifices of the Old Testament, with every animal that was offered in sacrifice, they also had to offer a drink offering of wine. The uh, sacrifice of the animal was not complete without the drink offering. And Paul says, 
I've offered to the Lord the sacrifice of my labors, the disciples I've made, the churches I've founded. But he said to make that sacrifice complete, my own life is being poured out like that drink offering. So he said, I'm being poured out like a drink offering. The time has come for my departure. Notice the time has come. You remember I emphasized that nothing could come against us as we walk in the will of God until God's time comes. Then he goes on, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I want to tell you, friend, that if you're going to keep the faith, you're going to have to fight the fight. Faith is a fight. Uh, it takes courage. It takes determination. It takes commitment. But Paul said, I've finished the race. I've done all that was allotted me to do. And then he looks forward, out of time, into eternity. It's like a window opened in that cell, and he looked right beyond those gray stone walls out into a different scene. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearance. That always touches me, because Paul knew that he was going to stand before an unrighteous judge who would pronounce an unrighteous sentence against him, a death sentence. He said, that's not the last judgment. There's another one lying ahead. And in eternity, I'm going to stand before an absolutely righteous judge, and he will give me the due reward for all that I've done in his service. You see, he had such serene confidence. He knew that everything was under God's control. There was no bitterness, no regrets. What was the secret of that attitude? I believe it's beautifully stated a little earlier in that epistle. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, speaking about all that he'd been through. He says, I, Yet I'm not ashamed, because I know whom I have believed, and am convinced that he is able to guard what I've entrusted to him for that day. I want to pick out two key phrases there. The secret of all serenity and security in the situation of adversity. First of all, I know whom I have believed. Note, he didn't say, I know what I have believed. It wasn't a doctrine that was his security. It was a person, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not enough, dear friend, to believe in a doctrine. That doctrine has got to take you to a person, to the person of the Savior, to the Lord Jesus. Can you say, I know whom I have believed? I'm not asking if you, if you know what you have believed. Do you know whom you have believed? And then the second statement there that Paul makes that's so significant is, I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him. The King James Version says, what I have committed to him. You see, that's the secret of true security. It's total commitment to God and to his will. When you've committed your life and all that you are and all that you're ever going to be into the hands of God, you can be absolutely sure that God is able to guard what you've entrusted to him. Thank you for listening. For more inspiring teaching, visit our website at dpmuk.org forward slash podcast and like our page at facebook.com forward slash dpmuk to join our online community. Derek Prince, teaching you can trust.